Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 100, when you are worried about someone or yourself. It's March 2nd, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and podcaster. I also am a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way. My music is by Howie Moscovich. When you are worried about someone or yourself. Well, this happens from time to time. It actually happens a lot more often than you might realize. And I want to give you some different ideas and some different thoughts about what you can do, whether you're worried about yourself or someone else. So let's get going. If you're new to my content, I hope you're going to visit my website and make me happy by entering my current giveaway at www.lisaalundy.com. Now, I am not a medical professional or therapist in any capacity. This is my disclaimer that nothing that I say in my podcast, have in my YouTube videos, write on my website, or are in my book are intended in any way to be medical or therapy advice. You, as a consumer, should get your medical or therapy advice from a licensed healthcare provider, of which I'm not. Now, if you happen to be listen, listening to this podcast and you are feeling suicidal, or you are thinking about harming yourself, or you feel that life is too hard, or you feel hopeless, I am asking you to stop and make a phone call and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. What I'm asking you to do is to talk about it. I'm asking you to tell people. I'm fine with you putting it on social media. Do whatever you have to do to get the help that you need. And I would suggest you ditch any shame or embarrassment about it because this is a common situation. It happens to more people than you would know. My next piece of housekeeping before I dive into the podcast is for the deaf and hard of hearing community. I do have transcripts up through my podcast from last week on the rss.com hosting platform and also on my own website. And within a period of 24 hours to a few days, uh, a new transcript will be generated for each new podcast. So we're working out the kinks and trying to be expedient. The other thing I'm, I'm working on is to speak at a more, well, I guess speak at a slower pace and work on pronouncing my words a little bit better so that the transcripts are more accurate. So I hope you're going to have a little forgiveness for me as I work on that. Now, what does this podcast cover? Well, this podcast does not cover a serious problem where death or imminent harm or danger 
or a serious addiction that requires an intervention or rehab. So this podcast is for when you're worried about yourself or you're worried about someone else that does not rise to the level of calling for or requiring immediate attention or immediate intervention or the intervention for a serious addiction or some other serious problem. Threats to commit suicide, which are actually very common in domestic abuse, are something that should be taken very seriously. I mean, if you look at the power and control wheel that you can find online, threatening to commit suicide is one of the ways that uh, an abuser will manipulate and control. So any threat of suicide or self-harm, in my humble opinion, needs to be taken very seriously. You need to contact whomever you need to contact and get assistance. This podcast is not for that. This podcast covers everything else that isn't that, from light concerns to more intermediate or heavy concerns, but not imminent death, harm, or danger or threat of suicide. I want to put us at the beginning on the same page for the definition of worry as a verb and as a noun and worrying. So worry as a verb is to give way to anxiety or unease. Allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. As a noun, worry is defined as a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. As an adjective, worrying is causing anxiety about actual or potential problems. It's also defined as alarming. First of all, not all worry is equal. Worry as an emotion would be on a continuum, starting on the left side with very minor, minor, minor worry, and on the far right side, you know, deep deep alarm or worry. So there's all kinds of levels of worry and it's different for different people. If you as a person are prone to excessive worrying or you worry all the time or you worry a great deal or you have really high anxiety frequently, that could be a sign that you need a little bit of help or a little bit of intervention. It could be a sign that something needs to be addressed. So I want to make mention of that because if you are excessively worrying or you have excessive anxiety, that could be a mental health condition and there's plenty of treatments and lots of options so I wouldn't be upset about it, but just go deal with it. Now, I do want to say sometimes you're not worried about a particular person. So I'm going to address that state right up front. So sometimes you're not actually worried about someone. But you may have knowledge that someone you care about, friend, family, coworker, whoever, is dealing with life challenges, or they may just be in the position where they have a lot of people in their life who are struggling. So this could apply for a variety of reasons. So you might not actually be worried about them per se, but you may know that whatever's going on is causing them some some level of suffering or some hardship. And you can take action even though you're not worried about them per se. So for example, 
I had a friend and she just had this army of people, like a lot of people in her posse, which was not my posse. Uh, a lot of people in her circle were suffering deeply and had all these huge problems. And it was hard on her because of course it's hard on you at times when someone you care about is going through a hard time or trauma or a health problem or what have you. So to support her, even though I wasn't, I wasn't worried about her. I wasn't worried about her ability to deal with what she was dealing with. Yet at the same time, I knew that it was hard. So to show my love and affection and support as a friend, I sent her periodic hand-painted cards to give her a little emotional boost and a little, little love tap. But that wasn't because I was worried about her as a person. I just knew she had a lot on her plate with the people that were in her life. So that's if you're not worried about someone per se. Now I want to pause and talk about worry as an emotion. I am not a big fan of worry as an emotion. I'm not. Worry to me is, is kind of a signal or a sign that something needs to be done, some action needs to be taken, or you need to work on processing your emotions. So I'm not a fan of worry per se. To me, when worry shows up, I need to pause and go, hmm, have I processed my emotions? What am I dealing with? Oh, is there some action? And that's my approach because I am a huge fan of diving in and taking care of your issues and problems. Now, sometimes you might be worried about someone else, and we'll talk about that too. So you want to kind of deal with worry as an emotion by identifying it, managing it, and processing it. Now, that's three things, identification, manage, and process, and we're not good at that. That's not what we are good at as a society. And in fact, the reason I'm doing this podcast is because oftentimes, when people get worried about someone, they kind of retreat because they don't know what to do. We're just not good at, good as a society in general in dealing with emotional things. So you've got to get yourself sorted out if you're dealing with worry, whether you're worried about yourself or you're worried about someone else. Now, I want to talk about, so worry I'm not a fan of. And people know I'm not a worrier. I'm not a big worrier. I mean, there are people I have in my circle I'm concerned about. And, and when I'm concerned about someone, trust me, they know it. They know why. And, and we deal with it and I provide whatever I can provide. But I'm not a big fan of sitting around worrying. That, to me, that is not a good use of my time. A good use of my time is managing, processing, and dealing with my own emotions, and then being in action, if there's some action to be taken. And I think you'll see that usually, there's oftentimes an action you can take. All right, so I want to address first, if you're worried about yourself. Now, this does happen from time to time for lots of people, and for good reason. So we're going to first deal with the situation where you're worried about yourself. So if you're worried about yourself, it's time for you to take a pause and start to begin to get yourself sorted out. What are you worried about? I don't know what you're worried about, but you might be worried because you have a lot of problems and life challenges, or you might have being a, in a domestic abuse situation. There are so many reasons why you could reasonably be worried about yourself. 
So the question is, how functional are you in life? Well, we don't walk around talking about being functional. We really don't. We should. We absolutely should. It would make a difference, but we typically don't. But there is a global assessment of functioning. That's global assessment of functioning, GAF scale, which reportedly is now in less favor over the, and the HUDA scale is now in favor, but in either case, it's still most widely on the web for the global assessment of functioning, which kind of deals with, well, how, what happens to you when you're chugging along in life and then you get hit with a problem or a trauma or a bad thing happens to you? Well, a lot of people tank. They don't have either resilience or they don't have emotional skills or they don't have strong coping mechanisms or they have low self-esteem or they have a whole bunch of different things. So how functional are you? Are you able to eat? Are you able to sleep? Well, I have to digress and say there are a lot of people who are very functional who don't sleep very well. So that may or may not be an indication. If you've never slept well for your whole life, it might not be a good indication of how you're doing. But, you know, are you, have you started to self-medicate? Are you doing something different? Has your appearance, you know, dropped? Are you not taking care of yourself? You want to stop and look and see what's going on with you. Then, and, and to do that, by the way, you know, you may need to talk to a trusted friend. You may need to get into therapy. You might need to talk to your physician. But you're going to need to do something to deal with yourself. And most people can't deal with themselves all by themselves. Like that's what friends are for. That's what family's for. That's what good coworkers are for or managers or whomever. Like I don't know who you'd need to talk to, but you need to talk to whomever. Get your sorted self sorted out emotionally. And then you need to put into place whatever needs to be put into place for you not to be worried about yourself and for you to be able to be functional in life. So if you're worried about yourself, for sure, action needs to be taken. Now I have, this is my 100th podcast, so there's 99 other podcasts, and many, many, many of them would be helpful to you if you're worried about yourself. But if you are the one and you're worried about your own self, it is time to raise the red flag, call someone, say, look, I'm worried about myself, can you talk to me? Or, you know, you have to be in action because it's not going to get better if you do nothing. So if you're worried about yourself listening to this podcast, when you're done listening to the podcast, or you could stop right now, but it's time for you to phone a friend, you know, reach out and touch someone by phone, by FaceTime, by whatever means and get support. I do know that for most people or for a good good faction of the population, it's very difficult to ask for help. I have great compassion for that. Look, I hardly ever ask for help. By the time I ask for help, I, I need help because I can't get it from somewhere else. And I'm not like a big fan of that, but I do do it. I do do it when I, when I need to do it. And if you've listened to some of my other podcasts, you know. Um, so it's time for you to start dealing with yourself, get into action, Talk to whomever, make a plan, and start dealing with whatever it is that's causing you to be worried about yourself. And don't be beating yourself up if you're worried about yourself. Like, that's actually not a bad thing. 
if you're worried about yourself. It's just that you need to be in action promptly and get a plan and start taking the appropriate action. So that's if you're worried about yourself. Now, if you're not worried about you, if you're not worried about yourself, who or what are you worried about? So you might not be worried about yourself. You might be worried about something in your life or you might be worried about someone else. So you want to begin, if you're not worried about yourself, to distinguish what is it that you're worrying about. Are you worrying about some future event? Are you worrying about a problem or issue that you're facing in your life? If you're worried about somebody else, then you have to start to tease that apart. So let's assume for the moment, if you're worried about some problem or issue in your life, you're going to deal with that because you're awake and aware to what you're worried about. But if you're worried about someone else, then you need to start looking at, well, why are you worried about them? Did they have something bad happen to them? Well, sometimes we know something very bad happens to someone, and that gives room for worry. But, you know, so has something happened to them? Are they facing a life challenge? Have they said something or done something that causes you to be worried? Has their appearance changed? You know, is their routine different? Is their demeanor different? You know, have they lost or gained weight without trying? Are there other changes you can observe? Now, I will say that appearances are, for some people, not for everyone, but for some people, appearances are kind of a gauge to whether they're taking care of themselves. Now, some people have never, ever taken care of themselves, ever, so it's not a good gauge for them because they never did it. But for someone who has a history of taking care of their physical body, their parents themselves, to kind of let themselves go, that can be a manifestation or a sign that they're struggling. So the appearance change is only good if you know someone has a history of actually taking care of themselves. And another question is, are they functional? Well, you probably might not be close enough to them to know whether they're really functional in life. You might not know if they're sleeping or eating or taking care of business, so you might have to ask. But what's really critical if you are worried about someone else is that you rule out the issue that you're projecting. So when I say you rule out the issue of your projecting, if you know this person that you're worried about, if you think, oh, I could never deal with their their life. I could never deal with their circumstances. You might be projecting. You might be. Or, you know, if you think that you would be a hot mess if you had their life, it could be a sign that you're projecting. And that's not going to be helpful. Because if you're projecting, you're just putting your own stuff onto them. Because I know that I had like, six or more major life challenges hit me in a in boom 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 short order they were horrible i'm not going to speak about them but what happened was several people started to project that they were worried about me well i'm extremely functional i got thrown out of therapy in 2018 with a gaf score of 91 to 100 which is the highest score for being over-functional, really functional, not over, but really functional during three concurrent traumas. 
So I wasn't worried about myself, even though all this bad, nasty stuff had happened to me. So I was talking to people about, well, wh why are you worried? Like, what am I doing that has you worried? Because I was taking care of my parents, taking, doing my self-care, doing my life, happy as usual. I mean, I wasn't happy that these horrible things happened. I wasn't happy about that. And they were deeply painful, but I know how to deal with pain. And so as we talked, it became really apparent that really the issue was they just didn't know how I was doing it. They could never, they could never deal with my life. Well, that's projecting. So there wasn't anything I was doing, anything I was saying, any way I was behaving that led them to be worried. It was their own internal worry, their own internal projection. So if you're worried about someone, you want to kind of sort yourself out to make sure that you're not projecting because that's not really going to be helpful. So you're going to be looking at their behaviors, their statements, their appearance, the changes, and talking to them about what's going on. Now, you know, we have lots of life challenges that leave us worried about people. So if someone's had a death, a loss of a loved one or a coworker, friend or neighbor or whomever, or they're going through a divorce or a breakup, or they have someone who's got a health problem or they have a health problem, like they're going to be sad and they're going to be suffering and they're going to have, you know, it's a painful event and you know, for some of it, it's going to be grief and loss. So, of course, they're going to have those emotions and they're not going to be like, woohoo, like the, the you that you've always known. But outside of that, is there something that's going on that leaves you worried? Behavior, you know, statements, etc. So, I want to have you look at, you know, what are you worried about and why? Now, I want to give you I have two examples in this, two more examples in this podcast, the one I'll go right through right now. Back in the day, meaning forever ago, I was teaching a class of seventh graders and uh, we were talking about life and life goals and life plans. And it became apparent to me that one of the seventh grade young men had no hopes, had no dreams, no interests, no hobbies, nothing to look forward to whatsoever. And I found that alarming at his age. It was like 12 or 13. So I called for, called his home, talked to his mother and demanded that she come in and meet with me, which she did. And I literally read her the riot act that she needed to get her son immediate and swift help promptly without passing go, without collecting $200, immediate and I'm not kidding you, I read her the riot act. Because, listen, when you have no hopes, no dreams, no, you know, that's, that's bad. That is as bad as it gets. Now, fortunately, that story has a good ending because apparently, I don't, I don't, listen, I'm a really nice person, but I can be very firm. I can be very direct and very firm. And I was with her because I was scared. I was deeply alarmed. It was deeply troubling. She did get him into therapy and it turned out really, he didn't really have an issue. It was a family dynamic that actually needed to be addressed. And because of therapy, it was addressed. And she did thank me at the end of the school year for making such a big difference because her son had a whole new life. 
So when you're worried about someone, sometimes you have to have a frank conversation and be real with people, which is not easy. I understand this is not easy. So when you're looking about why are you worried about someone, like what's going on? I mean, listen, we have millions of parents in the United States and in the world who have a special needs child or special needs adult to care for. That's exhausting. It's very tiring. They get very little support. So you might be worried about them, but there, there are lots of things you can do. Death, health problems, you know, moving, even things like promotion or grad promotions at work or graduating from college or graduating from high school or graduating from trade school or graduating from graduate school or getting married or, you know, like all of these things are high stress, including like buying and selling a house, moving, all kinds of things are extremely stressful. They fall under the category of a life challenge because they're stressful. We know they're stressful. So is that why you're concerned or is it a behavior or is it a change? You want to get very clear about what's going on and understand that when people are suffering, whether it's because they have a health problem or because, you know, they're going through a divorce or somebody died or whatever, the most natural thing that happens is people run away. They run away from that person. That's really what normally happens, sad as it is. I remember I was probably 13 or so, and my grandmother was talking about, my late grandmother was talking about how when her husband died, my grandfather, like all their friends disappeared. And she said, it's not because they're bad people, Lisa. It's because they're uncomfortable. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to act around me. And they're sad. And so they just avoid it. And I thought, wow, that's, that's very interesting. Well, yes, that's exactly what happens still today. So you want to understand that's the normal trajectory. When people are up against it, lots of times people avoid them because they're uncomfortable. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to behave. They don't even know what to do. So before I move on, I want to talk about boundaries. When you're worried about someone else, because I'm going to be talking about actions, it's important that you have boundaries. When you're dealing with other people, ho hopefully you know what I'm talking about when I say boundaries. It's actually on my list of podcasts to make, but I haven't gotten around to it. So boundaries are kind of the limit, the limit between you and other people. They're your own personal limits. Like I have a ton of boundaries. I'm very clear about them. I don't cross them. And, um, you know, so for example, Hopefully, you would never show up at someone's house and say, hey, hi, I'm here to clean your house, if you didn't have a prior agreement that you were to show up and to clean their house. I mean, that would be like a huge violation of boundaries. Now, if you had an agreement and they were like, oh, yes, I'd love for you to come over and clean my house, or oh, yes, I really need help with that, please come over, that's different. But you wouldn't just do that without a prior agreement. That would be a huge overstepping of your boundaries. So you have to be careful when you're worried about someone else and you're thinking about taking an action, you have to be careful not to overstep boundaries. And especially, I mean, this doesn't apply if there's imminent danger of death or harm or something else. That, that rule doesn't apply. You need to, like, be in action and take care of it. But I want to give you an example from back in the day. Nobody knows this particular example. 
but there was a young person. This is actually been, this story is true, number one, but it has been repeated thousands of times over. And, and it's so it actually would apply to tons of people. But back in the day, there was a senior in high school who had something happen to them and they stopped going to school. Well, they stopped going to school because they were depressed and reasonably so. But nobody did anything. Nobody made them go to school. Nobody, nobody did anything. So eventually one of their friends um, went to see them kind of assess the situation and then ask permission from the senior to help them by going and getting their classwork and their assignments and talking to their teachers to try to help them get caught up, which the student agreed to and gave them their class schedule and their, their friend. It was a friend. It wasn't even a relative. It wasn't a cousin or a relative. Then their friend went to school, talked to all the teachers, got all the assignments. And notably, it was interesting because the friend was asked by one teacher, why are you doing this? And the friend was like, what do you mean? And the, the teacher was like, why are you, why are you doing it? And the friend was just like, well, because somebody has to do something. And sometimes, and by the way, they did graduate. It was a miracle. It was an over-the-top miracle. But that, that story has been repeated over and over by times whatever, when, when someone, a peer, will take concern for another peer when an adult isn't showing up. And sometimes adults don't show up, and sometimes, you know, it, it, it's, it's called somebody's going to do the right thing. So sometimes somebody has to do something. And when the people who have authority don't act and don't take care of it, then even if you don't have the authority, you can ask permission to help someone. I mean, I've asked permission to help people in many different ways over the years. And sometimes people say yes, and sometimes people say no. But, you know, you want to do something if you can. And I'm going to make a little sidebar here mention of what you don't want to do. What you don't want to do is walk around and tell everybody that this person is depressed and this person is having a problem and you're helping them. No, that's their private business. You help them on the lowdown and you don't promote it or let people know. That's like a big no-no. And it, and it could actually fall under character assassination if you are going to tell people, oh, so-and-so is really suffering and they're not going to school and I'm getting their homework. And blah, blah, blah. No, that's, that is absolutely a deal breaker. No, no, that's character assassination and gossip. It's just not good. So you, if you're going to do something, if you're going to step up to help someone and be some, you know, be there for someone you're worried about. You have to do it on the low down and be quiet and thoughtful and considerate about it. Now, domestic abuse is a big area where, you know, there is cause for worry. And of course, there's cause for worry because we know statistically that about 25% of women are going to end up uh, physically physically abused in an intimate partner relationship in the United States and about 11% of men are going to be physically abused by an intimate partner in the U.S. So that's that's an alarming statistic and that by the way is physical abuse. There's also emotional abuse that causes trauma and a lot of wounds and a lot of problems that's not factored into that number. So you might be worried about somebody because you feel or you've seen or you suspect 
that they're in an abusive relationship. So those worries or those concerns are, would be valid. There's no question it would be valid because it can escalate. Even if it's not physical violence at this time, it can escalate. So you want to be thoughtful. You want to be careful. You want to figure out, is there a way you can um, support whoever it is? Now, there's many ways. Listen, I know somebody who set up that they would post something on Facebook every day just so people would know they were alive and well. Because people were worried whether they would live through it. So it wasn't a post about I'm alive and well. It was a post about anything, a meme or whatever. Just go on Facebook, post something. Go on your TikTok or your social media account, post something. Then people will know you're alive that day. I mean, as sad as that is, sometimes that's what it takes. But you're gonna, if you have someone who's in what you feel or know is an, an abusive situation, your fears are rational and your fears are reasonable. But you're gonna have to deal with your fears and your worry and your concern for you, your own emotions. Get yourself sorted out and then see what you can do, if anything. And sometimes there's something you can do and sometimes there's not something you can do. It depends. But you've got to deal with your own emotions and then look to see is there something else you can do. Now, sometimes you have to take the stance that you're going to make an offer and don't take no. Now, when I say don't take no for an answer, I don't literally mean that because I'm not the kind of person that steamrolls over people. I don't have control issues, thank God. I may be guarded. <laughs> I might be deeply guarded, but I don't have control issues. Uh, just controlling my vulnerability. But, you know, you don't steamroll over people. You want to be compassionate to other people's position and how they feel in life. So sometimes you might observe, like I'll, I'll give you this example. So back in the day, uh, my amazing mother, God rest her soul, her second husband had passed away. She had sold the house they were in, packed up, and bought a house in State College and had moved. So that's a whole lot of life stresses right there, life challenges. A death, a sale of a house, a move, you know, that's pretty, that's a lot. So I, I was very close with my mother her whole life, and I called her after she was, the moving truck had left. And I said, how are you doing? And she said, well, I'm doing pretty good, but I'm tired. I said, well, I'm sure, I'm sure you are tired. I said, well, what do you need? Oh, I don't need anything. Because, of course, my mother would rarely confess that she needed anything. So I said, oh, well, you know, what, what's what's on your list? What's kind of, what's going on? I was feeling her out. And, and so I decided in that moment that the best thing and the most appropriate thing would be for me to get a babysitter pop in my car the next day and go down and help her sort out her garage. So I suggested that and she was chuckling. She's like, oh no, 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 that's too far of a drive. You, you know, you have to get a sitter, you know, the blah, blah, blah. I said, no, wouldn't it be fun? Oh my gosh, we would have so much fun. Well, the truth is my mother and I had so much fun all the time. It was, it was amazing. So she's, she starts to chuckle. She says, yeah, I know, but it's moving. It's work. I said, I know, but I can make work fun. I'm going to do it okay. And she finally acquiesced. So she finally was like, okay. And I, so I got, got on the phone, got a sitter, got everything arranged, all the kids' food, everything set up, and left and went down on a Friday. 
And of course we had a ball and I said, look, you're going to sit right there in a chair. We were in the garage and I said, I'm going to, I'm an expert packer mover. Wait till you see me go. You just sit right there. All I need is some Sharpies and some packing tape and, and away we went. And by the end of the evening before dark, actually it was like by dinner time, we had the garage organized. Well, I had the garage organized so she could pull in her car, which was her number one goal for the whole weekend. So that that number one goal, that was actually her only goal, was done Friday night. And we walked into her house and she's like, okay, well, we're done. That was my only goal. I said, oh, well, guess what? Tomorrow Saturday. We have all day and Sunday. So that's not the only thing that's getting done. And then we laughed and had a ball. So sometimes you have to kind of figure out what might be helpful for someone and make an offer that they can't refuse or kind of like gently coax them into saying yes. I'm, I'm a fan of like gentle coaxing, not the steamrolling. And that was like some of the best. We just had such a good time. And I know my mother had a great time because she apparently, apparently I heard from someone else later that she was laughing and talking about how she sat in the chair and I would hold things up and say, pack, unpack, blah, 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 blah. And, and away we went. She said it was just like, she actually, what she said was, well, it was like Lisa was the mother and I was the kid and, and she just took care of everything. So, you know, you want to make an offer that people can't refuse, but you want to be okay if they say no to your offer understanding that for many people, it's very difficult to accept help. Like I will confess, it's difficult to help me because of course I'm so functional. I mostly don't need help. And even when I do, I'm like, mm. anyway, so I have some additional suggestions for you. And if you, if you're worried about yourself, as I said earlier, you're going to have to really get yourself sorted out pronto as an urgent matter boost your self-care, work on all kinds of things to help yourself feel better and start to deal with whatever it is that's causing you to be worried about yourself. So if that's, if you're, if it's you front and center, you've got to take some action. Now the rest of this is really about if you're worried about someone else or something in your life, but not you. So you're going to have to, first of all, always deal with your own emotions. This is like an amazing skill set to have falls under emotional intelligence. We in the world, we're not really high overall in the world for emotional intelligence, but it's really, it's a gift. It's so amazing. It's when emotions become your superpower. So that's number one is get straight with your emotions, your emotions about yourself, your emotions about whatever you're worried about or the other person or what have you. You've got to get that all sorted out. Number two, assuming it's not you, you've got to be able to express your concerns in a thoughtful and clear manner with specifics. Now, rule out your own projection. If you're worried because you don't think you could ever deal with so many life challenges at once or you know like there are people who have said to me oh my gosh I could never deal with having a special needs child and I'm like oh okay well that's that's their projection that they couldn't deal with that you know so you want to make sure you're not projecting yourself onto the other person and then you might need to brainstorm how could you help them 
what could you do? I know I was worried about somebody one time and I went and got food and, and I just took it over. I didn't really have the boundaries or relationship for that, but it was, I was overcome with concern and, and, and I think it was in the end the right thing to do and it worked out okay. But you might need to brainstorm with someone, with the person and say, well, okay, how could I help you? Like, you know, like you might not know until you sit down and brainstorm and kind of flush it all out. So then make a plan. If they're up to it and you're up to it, make a plan, check in on them. I mean, I can't tell you the number of people that I didn't have the relationship to go do something for. So I would get permission to make a meal or I would get permission is all right if I send you a card periodically. And I mean, there was one person, I sent her card probably 40 cards in a year or so because I knew she was dealing with a health problem. I knew it was very tough on her and that I didn't have any other kind of relationship with her, but I had gotten her permission to send her cards. And so that was fine. And we laughed about it later about how, how many I sent, but sometimes you are going to be the only one to do something. So if that's the case, you're going to have to just deal with it because you don't want to have regrets by not doing something if you're worried about someone. And I know there are people I'm worried about, and rightfully so, because of course I do know people who are in domestic abuse. I do know people who are dealing with health challenges. I know people who are up against it. And when people are up against it, they need all the love and tenderness and affection that can be brought to them. But oftentimes when you're up against it, you can't be inviting it in saying, oh yes, come help me. Oh yes, I have said six awful things help happen to me. Come help me. I mean, you know, I did eventually have to say, okay, well, everybody knew what had happened. A lot of people knew what had happened. I did have to say, oh, I need help moving because I I was working and that was fine. Work was fine. I was taking care of myself. It was the move on top of daily life with with the bad stuff that had happened that was just a little too much for me. So I asked for help and people showed up to help me. So figure out what's going on. Get yourself sorted out and then don't be afraid to be the one. Don't be afraid to be the person to make a difference because that's not what people normally do. People normally retreat when something bad happens or there's some reason to be worried. So here's your takeaway. It's time to recognize that worrying is an emotion that should, in many cases, lead you to action. So you want to be able to deal with worry so that worry becomes a tool instead of this emotion that takes you out of the game and tanks you. And I certainly hope that you are going to do everything in your power to support and love and nurture the people you're worried about and take care of yourself if it's you that you're worried about. As far as my call to action, I hope you're going to get on the road to grow and develop and not have worry be this emotion that tanks you, causes anxiety, and is just not helpful. And share this podcast on social media to give other people some ideas about what to do because there is something to do when you're worried about someone. Okay, that's it. Thank you. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 100, when you are worried about someone or yourself. I hope this podcast has given you some new ideas on areas where you can get to work and take some action, whether you're worried about yourself or someone else. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically because, of course, you wouldn't want to miss one. Share this podcast on social media to help other people have a breakthrough. And that's it. I love you. Take care for now. Bye.